Alhamdulillah wakafa wassalatu wassalamu ala manistafa sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa shafiyyina wa habibina wa maulana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa azwajihi wa dhurriyatihi wa ahli baytihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to this edition of the Coffee Express Insha'Allah I would be now sitting in for this program since the passing away of our near and dear brother Shafa'at Ahmad Khan. May Allah Azza wa Jalla give him the highest stages in Jannah for all the service that he has done for this deen of Islam. Of course, the program isn't going to be exactly as our brother was doing it. You know, it was more of a magazine program. But uh, now, inshallah, it would be more of a spiritually orientated program. So we're going to begin with a talk on Taskiyah. Then the topic that is closest to the hearts of all of us, and that is Palestine. Thereafter, inshallah, we will talk about Dua, the importance of Dua. And today would just be the introduction and uh, thereafter, we would be discussing individual du'as, the benefit of that du'a, why do we read a du'a, etc. And of course, we will do a segment on fadailul amal. We would have a little segment for our dhikr, a segment for uh, nasheed. And uh, as we go on, inshallah, we will develop this uh, whole program. Now, let us start our program with our Tazkiyah. Now, firstly, what does Tazkiyah means? It means it is rendered into English as purification. Hence, Tazkiyatun Nafs means purification of the soul. The first step to purification of the soul is having knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jalla Ma'rifatullah and the way we get knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jalla is through his names his qualities and his actions so this is the, the as for the that of Allah Azza wa Jalla you know the essence of Allah Azza wa Jalla that none of us can get to know but his names his qualities his actions we have got information about this through the Holy Quran, through the Hadith, etc. And you know the famous Hadith on the 99 names. But of course, as our uh, great uh, commentators of Hadith state that you know the, na- the names of Allah Azza wa Jalla is not confined to 99. Nobody knows exactly how many names that Allah Azza wa Jalla has. So this is how we get to know Allah Azza wa Jalla through his names, his qualities and his actions. And why is it wajib to have ma'rifatullah? You know, this is the doorway to tazkiyatun nafs, purification of the soul. Without this, one, you know, is going to go nowhere. He's not going to climb up the spiritual ladder. Now the, the Quranic verse makes it wajib upon us. To have Ma'rifatullah. And that is a verse in Surah Muhammad. Surah Muhammad verse number 19. In that verse we read, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajim. Fa'lam annahu la ilaha illallahu wastaghfir li dhambika walil mu'minina wal mu'minat. Wallahu ya'lamu mutaqallabakum wa mathwaakum. Now in this verse, Allah Azza wa Jalla begins it with an instruction. Fa'lam. You must know, although the instruction is being given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, because that verb is in the singular form, you must know, you must have knowledge. About what? Annahu la ilaha illallah. That, he, that there is no God, no uh, deity worthy of worship except Allah Azza wa Jalla. 
you must have knowledge of that. And the way we get knowledge of that is with tafakkur, pondering, reflecting upon the creation of Allah Azza wa Jalla. Allah Azza wa Jalla tells us in the Holy Quran, Inna fi khalqis samawati wal ardi wa ikhtilafi al-layli wal-nahar wa ikhtilafi al-layli wal-nahar al-albab Indeed, in the creation of the heavens and the earth, and the alternation of the day and the night, there are signs for those who are endowed with intelligence. So this verse is giving us da'wah to ponder and reflect upon these signs. And most certainly one who does ponder and reflect upon the signs sincerely with the intention of seeking truth, he will be guided to the knowledge that Allah Azza wa Jalla exists because he would see the harmony with which everything is set in motion and this harmony would indicate that there is only one ilah one source of power one almighty because Allah Azza wa Jalla says in the Quran also if there were more than one if there were ilahain two gods then there will be fasad corruption in the system uh, with which the universe operates because there is going to be a power struggle. So this is one of the ways in which we get knowledge of firstly the existence of Allah Azza wa Jalla and the oneness of Allah Azza wa Jalla. And of course this knowledge won't come every night. Our progress on the spiritual ladder you know, won't be from step 1 to step 10 in one day. It is step by step. You see, like the next part of the verse states, وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَنْبِكَ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ Seek forgiveness for your sins and وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ The male believers, وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ And the female believers. Now, when it comes to seek forgiveness for the male believers and the female believers, that is understood clearly because nobody is immune from sin. So seeking forgiveness is necessary. You know, كُلُّ بَنِي آدَمْ خَطَّاءُونَ وَخَيْرُ الْخَطَّائِينَ التَّوَّابُونَ All the children of Nabi Adam alayhi salatu wasalam are prone to err. They constantly err. But the best who constantly err are those who constantly make tawbah. So that hadith is very clear that no matter who you are, you will commit sins. The only entities or beings that are considered to be immune from sin are the Anbiya and the Malaika. So the question uh, arises, why does Allah Azza wa Jalla instruct Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wastaghfir li dhambik and seek forgiveness for your sin? Now we were speaking about the spiritual ladder. You know, you can't go from step number one to step number ten on one day. This is you know, a process. So, the ulama, one of the ways they explain this is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, as time was going, he was progressing on that spiritual ladder. So, the reason why he was instructed to seek forgiveness or why he used to seek forgiveness, one is to teach his ummah that, you know, he came as the a teacher of the Ummah. And he teaches them the book. So he came as a Mu'allim. And another reason they say that every day Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went higher up spiritually. So he used to actually seek forgiveness for being you know, lower down on the previous day. Seek forgiveness because I was on a step lower on the previous day. It wasn't for sins. And then, of course, the verse uh, concludes with "Wallahu yalamu mutakallabakum wa mathwaqum," and Allah Azza wa Jalla knows about your comings and your goings and your abode. Now, the reason why this verse was quoted was to uh, prove 
that having knowledge of Allahu Azza wa Jalla is wajib, obligatory for every Muslim. You know, uh, you get another verse also in Surah Ma'idah when we read verses number 98 and 99, we read, A'udhu rajim now again in this verse, Allah is addressing the whole ummah. Because here, the plural in the beginning of the verse, which is you know an imperative plural, a plural that is used to issue an instruction, it's in the plural form. I'lamu, all of you must know Allah that Allah is Shadidul Iqab. Know that Allah is severe in retribution. So here we are not just only being instructed to know that Allah exists and to know that Allah is one. But we are also being instructed to know that Annallaha Shadidul Iqab, that Allah is severe in retribution. And also wa annallaha gafur. He is forgiving and is incumbent. Only the proclamation is incumbent upon the messenger. And Allah knows what you disclose and what you conceal. So this verse is also being quoted as evidence that knowledge of the existence of Allah, His oneness and His qualities, because this verse is telling us, Annallaha Shadidul Iqab, you must know that He is severe in retribution. You must know that His Ghafoor is forgiving. You must know that His Rahim, that is compassionate. So learning the sifat of Allah and the asma, the names and the qualities of Allah Azza wa Jalla and the af'al and the actions of Allah Azza wa Jalla is something that each and every Muslim is duty bound to. You know, it's, it's wajib just like salah is wajib, fasting is wajib, hajj is wajib. I'm using the word wajib in the meaning of fard, right? It is obligatory. Now, knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jalla, His names and His qualities is the noblest and loftiest um, category of knowledge without exception. There's nothing higher than that. You know, there is nothing superior to acquiring knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jalla, His names, His attributes or qualities and His actions. Knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jalla is the root of every other knowledge. So much so, one who possesses authentic knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's got such knowledge now that he can use this knowledge to seek guidance. He can seek guidance with his knowledge of the qualities and names of Allah Azza wa Jalla. You know, Allah Azza wa Jalla is Rahim, is Rahman. These names give us messages. It must have a kind of impact in our life. You find, we read the Quran. What is the first qualities we read in the first surah? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praises to Rabbul Alameen. What, what the word Rabb means? In English, it is very difficult to, you know, give exact translations. So there are many words that translators use, English translators use for the word Rabb. They use the word sustainer. 
is the sustainer of everything. Now the sustainer already that has an impact on us. He is our sustainer. So what does that mean? We are indebted to him. How do we pay our debt to him? With his obedience. You know, executing the commands. Abstaining from the prohibitions. They tra Some translators translate it as nourisher. Nourisher, sustainer, more or less the same meaning. Some translators translate it as cherisher. So these are the beautiful English words that are used to translate the word Rabb. And the impact it must have on us that we are not indebted to anyone else. If someone else is going to give us some command that is, con that is in conflict with the command of Allah and we do have the power to oppose that command we are going to oppose that command and submit and surrender to Allah then what we read after that Ar-Rahmanir-Rahim Ar-Rahman the one with all encompassing mercy his mercy encompasses the Muslim the non-Muslim the animals and everything that exists everything that exists benefit from the solar energy in the sun they benefit from the heat that the sun provides. Everything that exists benefits from the rain. Everything that exists benefits from the phases of the moon. So Rahman refers to the all-encompassing mercy of Allah that teaches us that we are at His mercy. And we must get to know now how do we keep this mercy coming through to us perpetually. And again, it's about executing his commands and abstaining from his guidance. Then Ar-Rahim, compassionate. This uh, refers to the intense mercy of Allah Azza wa Jalla. And this Ar-Rahim, this intense mercy, according to some ulama, will come into action on Yawmul Qiyamah. And it is strictly and exclusively for the believers وَكَانَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَحِيمًا That is what we read in the Qur'an. He is Rahim with the believers. So some of the ulama state that this mercy will come into action on Yawmul Qiyamah. And then they also use that hadith wherein Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam state that the mercy of Allah azza wa jalla is divided into hundred parts. With one part of that mercy, Allah azza wa jalla is keeping the whole universe in motion. And the other 99 parts will come into action on Yawmul Qiyamah. So that 99 parts is exclusively for the believer. So, as we are saying that, you know, uh, th this is the most superior knowledge, you know, knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jalla, because one seeks guidance with this knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jalla, the knowledge of the qualities and the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about the actions of Allah Azza wa Jalla, as, you know, it was just discussed. We learn about his actions. We learn about what he subhanahu wa ta'ala legislates of laws and the motive behind the legislation of these laws. The motive behind the legislation of the laws of Allah Azza wa Jalla is only one. Jalbun Naf wa Dar to bring about um, benefit and to ward off any harm from mankind. The laws of Allah Azza wa Jalla are based on His justice, it's based on His fadl, His grace, it's based on His rahma, His mercy. So laws that are based on uh, 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 such characteristics, qualities, are definitely such laws that have been designed for the protection of man, for the peace of man, for the progress of man, for the stability of man. And further we'll you know, get to know what this knowledge of the names, the qualities and the actions of Allah, the etiquettes and traditions 
that we must adopt. Now, whatever Allah does, He does in accordance with His names and qualities. So this is how we are guided to the knowledge of uh, the kind of laws, etc. that Allah designs. All His acts revolve around justice and grace and wisdom and compassion. Every act of Allah is done out of justice. It's done out of grace, wisdom and compassion. Even when he's punishing the ummah, he's doing it out of justice. He's doing it out of grace. You know, when the sheep strays away from the pastures, what the shepherd does, he sends the dogs to bring the sheep back to the shepherd, to the pastures. Now we've got our pasture, our pasture, the fencing of our pasture is the hududullah, the limits that Allah has set, you know. So when one transgressed the limits of Allah, he stepped out the pasture. So then the dogs are sent. The dogs are sent in the form of the kuffar and basically the enemies of Islam. The dogs are sent in the form of natural calamities. All that is to bring us back to the pastures where we can enjoy the safety of the shepherd. Our shepherd now is the Sharia. Now belief in the existence and oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one of the six pillars of Iman. Rather, it is the fundamental pillar. All the other beliefs are based on this foundation of belief in the oneness and existence of Allah That is why when we declare the fundamentals of Iman, we always first say, Amantu Billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusuli wal yawmil akhir wal qadri khayrihi wa sharrihi min Allah ta'ala We begin with Amantu Billah. So all the other, all the other pillars rests upon our belief in the existence and the oneness of Allah The most meritorious and greatest pillar of Iman is that pillar, Al-Iman Billah. Iman is not mere utterance of the tongue without knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His qualities and His names. Of course, in the maktab, we teach the children, you know, uh, route form. The, this is kalima tayyiba, la ilaha illallahu muhammadur rasulullah. This is kalima shahada, ashhadu Allah ilaha illallahu wa ashhadu anna muhammadan nabduhu wa rasulu. We also do this when the child is born. You know, the adhan in the right ear, the ikama in the left ear, the... The, in the Azan we got Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah. There's Ashadu Anna Muhammadan Nabduhu wa Rasulu in the Azan. At that stage, because the akal is not developed, we just doing it to give the child identity. The child must know this is who I am, this is who I believe. Whether that little child knows or doesn't know why he believes in that at that stage in life, it is not necessary. But as we grow, you know, we mature, we must seek knowledge. Why do I believe in this? It is not sufficient for someone to say, I, I was born in a family that subscribes to Islam, so I became a Muslim. That doesn't qualify you to be a Muslim. So Iman is not mere utterance of the tongue without knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his qualities and his names. Rather, the reality of Iman will only materialize when the servant has knowledge of the Rabb in whom he believes. And he spares no effort in acquiring knowledge of his names and qualities, knowledge of his bounties and his benevolence until he reaches the level of Yaqeen certainty as his knowledge of his rub increases 
His iman increases. Consequence of deficiency in this category of knowledge, I mean the consequence of deficiency in this category of knowledge is deficiency in iman. The more knowledge you have of Allah, the greater your yaqeen. And, you know, it's due to yaqeen your iman increases. Take, for instance, you got a problem. You make a dua because you know Allah is mujibu da'wat. And, you know, idha da'ani, that whenever my servant makes dua to me, I answer his dua. So you had a problem, you made dua, and uh, you know, uh, uh, after your dua, you find your problem disappeared. Doesn't that increase your yaqeen now in the power of dua? You start making dua more. And it would also increase your iman. So as the iman, uh, I mean, as the yaqeen increases or the knowledge of one's rab increases, one's iman increases. Now you find this is why you, those who subscribe to authentic tasawwuf, they emphasize on what they call experiential Islam. You must experience everything, the teachings. And that you do by putting it into practice. And then by you know putting it into practice, you see the consequence of the practice. And that takes you higher up in the uh, spiritual ladder. It elevates you spiritually. So this is the importance of gaining knowledge of Allah and this is what Taskiyatun Nafs is about. That is what we are talking about. Purification of the soul. Allah created creation to worship and serve Him. To recognize Him and to believe in His oneness. This is the required goal from each and every individual occupying one's self with the acquisition of such knowledge is occupying oneself with the purpose for which he was created. Because such knowledge is going to make you a true servant of Allah. We are created to serve to be servants and to worship Allah We worship Allah by serving Him. It is not appropriate for a servant who is perpetually receiving the bounties of Allah One who is indebted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be ignorant of Him. How can you be ignorant of the one, uh, you know, Due to whom you are in existence, he decided the day that we should step on earth. He will decide the day that we must depart from earth. And in that time span between stepping on earth and departing from earth, everything about us in his, is in his hands. mulk. That's what we say. Blessed is he in whose hands is the mulk, the whole kingdom. He has control of something as big as a whale and as tiny as an ant. Nothing escapes his knowledge. Nothing escapes his kudra, his power. Nothing escapes, escapes his control. He is in control of our hearts. That's why we make the dua, Ya musarrif al-kuloob, sarrif kuloobana ala ta'atik. Ya muqallib al-kuloob, thabbit kuloobana ala deenik. O controller of our hearts, turn our hearts towards your obedience. O turner of the hearts, turn our hearts to your deen. Or make our hearts firm upon your deen. Because the hearts of men are between the two fingers of Allah. He turns it as he wishes. So we are total uh, like prisoners of Allah. He can do as he pleases with us. We can't question him about anything. So it is, you know, as we were talking about, 
it not being appropriate for a servant who is perpetually receiving the bounties of Allah. It is perpetual. The air that we breathe, where does it come from? The water that we are dependent upon, where does that come from? You know, just the movement of our limbs. I talk, um, uh, you know, uh, I am talking now. We all have the power of speech. Where does that come from? Those who are listening, we all have the power to hear. Where does that come from? It all comes from Allah Azza wa Jalla. There is no one else that we are indebted to except to Allah Azza wa Jalla. So how can we be ignorant of Him turning away from the acquisition of knowledge of His names, His qualities and His actions? How can we do this? We have to give some time daily to get to know Allah. That is why tafakkur, pondering and reflecting is such a noble deed. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, At-tafakkur, ra'sumali, that pondering and reflecting is my capital. It's the resource from which I um, derive means to get closer to Allah Azza wa Jalla. Indeed, knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leads to loving Him, venerating Him, revering Him, taqwa, pinning one's hopes on Him, devoting one's actions sincerely to him and this is what conveys one to a blissful existence because one in doing all this is remaining on factory setting you know all that corrupt software he doesn't put into his brain and heart he remains what's factory setting for the human being fitratullahillati fataran nas alayha that natural disposition with which Allah Azza wa Jalla has created man to remain in that state, you know, your, with your fitra remaining natural and protected and pure, that will only come with knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jalla. Without knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jalla, there's nothing going to happen. Now, inshallah. What we would do um, is uh, discuss du'as now. And of course, when we discuss du'as, today we're not going to start with um, reading a du'a and then explaining the reason for that du'a. For, there are du'as for which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, gave reasons. Like we take that simple dua that we all read, you know, before entering the loo, the bathroom. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika minal khubuthi wal khobaith. Oh Allah, I seek your protection from all the male and female satans. So, what was the origin of this dua? What is the background of this dua? We read in the books of Hadith that the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum on one occasion were on a journey and one Sahabi went to relieve himself and he didn't return. When the other Sahaba alayhim ridwanullah went to uh, investigate why this Sahabi hasn't returned, they found him dead. And when they came and told Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about this, then he said that those places where people go and relieve themselves are places frequented by the jinn, the evil satanic jinn. So before you, you know, enter that precinct that you use, like at that time there weren't toilets, you know, they had certain areas in the, in the desert there where they were traveling, that area is reserved for this purpose. So before you enter that area, 
you must read this dua allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubuthi wal-khaba'ith so that's the reason for that dua now dua in itself we must know that this is one of the loftiest and noblest forms of ibadah in fact in the hadith we read ad-dua mukhul ibadah dua is the essence of uh, ibadah you know like the word mukh itself is bone marrow without the marrow that bone would go out of existence you know that bone will perish so like that without dua man will perish that is why rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said ad-dua mukhul ibada dua is the essence of dua of ibada it is in fact fa inna dua ibadatun min ajallil ibadati allati yataqarrabu biha al-abdu ila rabbihi azza wa jalla it is the loftiest form of worship with which a servant earns proximity to his rab azza wa jalla and that proximity also that you earn through the means of dua is the you know uh, loftiest form of prox- proximity most meritorious wa qurba min afdalil qurabat it's the most afdal form meritorious form of uh, getting close to allah azza wa jalla then also dua is miftahun likulli khair it is the key to every good wa miglaqun likulli sharr just as it locks up all evil wa majbala likulli naf'in it brings generates produces everything that's beneficial wa daf'un likulli dur and it wards of all harm so none of us you know are not in need of goodness we need dua because dua is miftahun likulli khair it is the key for all goodness and none of us you know wants to be afflicted by calamities tragedies etc we make dua for the protection of all calamities all tragedies one of the duas that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us and we should read it often allahumma hafazna min kulli bala'id dunya wa adhabil akhira oh allah protect us min kulli bala from all the bala all the calamities all the tragedies all the bad luck of this dunya wa adhabil akhira and protect us from the punishment of the akhirah so all of us we are in need of khair of everything that is good all of us need protection from sharr everything that is evil dua is the miftah is the key to everything that is good and it is the miglaq the lock against all sharr we all you know would like to have everything that benefits us our health benefits us we want time also time benefits us all this can only come with dua rather these trials and tests with which allah azza wa jalla tests his servants of illnesses fear um hunger and decrease in wealth taking our, away our loved ones and the fruit of our toil he he states in the quran he will test us with all this we read it in surah baqara a'udhu billahi minash shaitonir rajim wa lanabluwannakum bi shay'in minal khawfi wal ju'i wa naqsin ിസോബിരി അല്ല 
الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Those whom when or actually what we are the verse begins with we will certainly test you. So a Muslim, he can never be free from trials and tests. Do the people think that they would be left to say Amanna, we believe, and they won't be tried and tested? We have certainly tried and tested those before them. The Quran is full of stories of the prophets and all the trials and tribulations that they have been through. So we will be tried and tested. None can escape this. And the more pious you are, the more you are going to be tried. The people who are tried most are the Anbiya. Then the pious. Then in that sequence, the more pious you are, the more you will be tested. إِذَا كَانَ فِي دِينِ رَجَلْ if a man is firm on his deen, the trials, the ibtila'ad, the tests will be increased for him because he's firm on his deen. Allah is giving, giving him opportunities to make sabr so that uh, he can be uh, given unlimited rewards. Those who make sabr would be given rewards that are unlimited. That is why as-sawmuli, fasting is for me. I will reward for that because sabr was involved there. Ramadan is known as shahru sabr. Okay, coming back to our topic. We are talking about the reason for the ibtila'at, the trials and the tests and the tribulations. And we said that one of the reasons for this is making dua to Allah Azza wa Jalla. That is the nature of man, you know. When he's in problems, then he turns to Allah Azza wa Jalla. Like there is a family member, when he sees a person that doesn't usually wear a kurta and doesn't usually have a hat on, using a kurta and a hat, he'll tell us, you know, in the Urdu language, Dukkadin, you know, he's got Dukk today, so he's wearing hat and kurta. He became pious suddenly. So this is the objective of the trials and tribulations, you know, to make us pious. So as we are saying that these trials and tribulations with it, Allah Azza wa Jalla tests his slaves with, as the Quranic verse mentions, Allah Azza wa Jalla will try us, will test us with situations where we fear. Like in South Africa, we have a very high crime rate, you know. People are living like prisoners in their own homes. Allah put, put us in that position because we are very lavish people. You know, Israf is very common among our people. While there are those among our people who are extremely poor also. And in Allah, la yuhimbul musrifin. Allah doesn't like people to be musrif. To lead lavish, wasteful lifestyles. You just attend a walima, you'll see all these things happening. Of course, not every walima. Now, he will try us, test us, so that we make dua. So that we tension our ways also. You know, people are tried for different reasons. Some people because they are, they have stepped out the pasture of that shepherd. So the wolves are coming after them, I mean the dogs, to bring them back to the pasture. And some people, Allah Azza wa Jalla, is giving them the opportunity to make sabr, our brothers and sisters in Palestine, so that they can be rewarded without any uh, measure. So this is why Allah Azza wa Jalla tests us with fear, with hunger, decrease in wealth, taking away the lives of our beloved ones, afflicting us with illnesses 
and the fruitness of our tired, our toil. Min ajalli maqasiduha hamlul ibad ala dua wa tadarru. The loftiest objective of all these trials and tribulations is to motivate the servant to engage in dua and tadarru. Tadarru is beseeching Allah Azza wa Jalla earnestly crying and begging and pleading. That is tadarru. Kama qala ta'ala just as Allah Azza wa Jalla states. A'udhu billahi minash rajim. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِي قَرِيَةٍ مِّن نَبِيٍ إِلَّا أَخَذْنَا أَغْلَهَا بِالْبَأْسَاءِ we have not sent to any village, any city, any prophet, except we tied them with Ba'asa and Darra. That is, you know, personally they were afflicted. And as a community, they were afflicted. To every people that are prophet, when this happened, why did it happen? The verse tells us, it concludes with the reason. So that they may earnestly besiege Allah Azza wa Jalla, beseech him for his help. This is what Allah Azza wa Jalla desires. That we knock on his door all the time. He loves those who make dua. Unlike, you know, people. You go to a person once, he'll help you. You go to him second time, he'll help you. The third time, he may help you. And then the fourth time, he'll tell you, you know what? You are making yourself a nuisance now. You're taking advantage over my good nature. Of course, there are those who are not like that, that understand. Probably Allah is testing me with this person, sent him to me. He's a genuinely needy person, then that's the case. But a professional beggar, that's not the case. Then we also read in another verse, wherein Allah Azza wa Jalla states, A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem Falawla idh That is Surah Al-An'am, verse number 43. That first verse that we read, we read about not sending a single messenger to a single city except that we tried them with all these trials and tribulations that in Suratul Araf. So in Suratul An'am, we are reading, you know, why didn't they make dua when our bas, our punishment came to them? Why didn't they beseech us earnestly? Now, it is for this reason, and of course, other reasons, that we find that the text of the Holy Quran, Nususul Kitab, and the Sunnah, encourages us to make dua. You know, and also you find the Sunnah will teach us the adab of making dua, the etiquettes of making dua, the ahkam of making dua, the laws of making dua, the fadail, the merits of dua, the appropriate times. Dua is answered at any time, at any, pla and any place. But there are certain times when it is more likely to be answered, like in the third quarter of the night, fi jawfil layl, on a Yomul Jumu'ah, nobody makes dua. There is an hour in your, or a time in Yomul Jumu'ah when none makes dua except that the dua is answered. None of us know exactly which time. So some ulama will say between the two khutbas of Salatul Jumu'ah. Some ulama would say between Asr and Maghrib on Yomul Jumu'ah. And then the person that's fasting just before iftar that last one, two minutes, don't sit and stare at what's laid down for iftar. Make dua 
Because the dua of a fasting person is not rejected. The dua of a sick person. The dua of a traveler. So there are times when it is more likely for a dua to be answered than you know the other times. Like after the fard salah also. And like that there are also places, occasions, places. Arafah. Dua is answered. Now, as we are saying that the text of the Quran, many Quranic verses encourages us to make dua. Many ahadith encourages us to make dua. And there are also ahadith that explain to us the adab, the etiquettes, the laws, the merits, the places where we should make dua. And also the words that we should use when making dua. In the Quran, we have duas. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adhaban nar. That is a dua in the Quran. Oh Allah, give us good in this world. Give us good in the akhirah and protect us from the punishment of the um, uh, fire. And of course, duas like Rabbana la tuzik kulubana ba'da id hadaytana wa hablana min ladunka rahma innaka antal wahhab. That is a dua in the Quran. So the Quran also gives us the wordings for dua. And the hadith also, many ahadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us duas. So, inshallah, in our next session, we will begin with uh, the laws of duas. And uh, then we go on to individual duas. Quranic du'as, hadith du'as, the meaning of these du'as, the reason why we should make these du'as, the merits of the du'a, etc. For now, inshallah, we will take a break and thereafter we will continue with our next uh, segment and that would be on that topic which is closest to our hearts at the moment, particularly we South Africans, you know, we're hoping that the court rules in favor of our country for the charge that was brought against um, Palace, I mean uh, Israel. And Alhamdulillah, uh, the Indonesians have brought up a different charge. They also taking Israel to the um, uh, International Court and that is illegal occupation of someone else's property. So let us now take a break and we will continue after the break, inshallah. <laughs> 